0: Palmerbet on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight
1: up screamer! Download our app today and enjoy straight up screamers this FIFA World Cup. With great odds, great promos, and same game multi at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gamblers' help, call 1 800 858
2: 858. It's time to cast off on a new adventure. This is Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood.
1: Hello and welcome to Real Adventures from wherever you're listening right Around the Country. Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Habgood joining in this morning to talk all things fishing, boating and the great outdoors. Good morning to you, Redmond. Good morning, Patrick. Uh, fantastic to be here as usual. How are you? Going very well. Not quite as well as what, how you've been going this week. I'm uh, broadcasting from Noosa at the moment. I must say the weather's been what's. Well, been a few scattered showers. It's better than the two degrees that sort of Victoria's been experiencing <laughs> early in the mornings of late. But you got out earlier in the week. You went out with our great mate Paul Worsling and the great man Chris Vasilewski from Gone Fishing Charters. You were doing a bit of work uh, with the tuna champions and catching a few southern bluefin tuna off Apollo Bay. So this is fascinating in itself because it's so close to Melbourne. Obviously, one of the big draw cards in Victorian fishing is is portland and the fishing um, clearly that they get at, at different stages but it's a 4 hour drive from from metropolitan melbourne 4 hours plus apollo bay on the other hand is is far closer even though you you're spending a bit of time in the boat um Take a bit us, of time in the boat. Take us through your, your journey and um, the planning that went into your fishing earlier in the week because you caught some wonderful fish and there's been some really um, great fish being caught off Apollo Bay and right through that southern region of Victoria at the moment.
0: Yeah, so Paul gave me a call uh, during last week and said basically he needs to uh, do the tuna champion stuff that you've spoken about. And what that includes is basically literally everything that is involved... In looking after your
1: bluefin tuna, so this is from capture to landing it on the deck, yep. and then preserving the fish as best as humanly possible to preserve as much flesh as possible, and it's essentially respecting the southern bluefin tuna for what they are, and and, and you know taking uh, what you're going to eat and no more than that, essentially.
0: Yes, and you're spot on, and also to get. The quality out of the meat that
1: you want to—that's another big factor in it as well. Because uh, there's so many different parts of the the southern bluefin tuna that you can actually eat. You can eat parts of its face. So if you put in the time <laughs> and energy and effort, they well, reckon the cheekbone's can, the
0: best part, Patrick. Yeah, they say that. Yeah, but,
1: it's quite extraordinary.
0: And, and like you said before, it's a huge, huge effort uh, to do what to do it properly. This is going to—it's a little bit contradicting. As a fisherman, it's very hard to do things properly when you've got. Uh, 100 plus kilo fish jumping out of the water. Now, what I mean by that is we're filming, literally cameras are rolling and we've got to get the best shots to make this look presentable, like removing blood out of the way, doing a lot of things. But this comes down to actually doing the right things. And when we're on camera, it takes a fair bit of time to get... like you, The fish might jump the wrong way and you start again. Everything adds up. So we were off Apollo Bay, like you said, and we're a long way offshore. And we had barrels literally everywhere. And we'll just drop it in red baits and pilchard into the water, cubing for them. And that's how we were catching these fish. And the process so, starts so from cu- there.
1: So cubing for the uninitiated and those that haven't done it before talk talk us through exactly what it is
0: yeah so I've got a different mindset on it a lot of people spend a lot of money and buy say for instance 200 kilos of pilchards and they go out there and they (laughs) literally cube them now in New South Wales
1: meaning they chop up the pilchards and they throw cubes of it into the water even yeah even
0: whole fish they just launch it over and in New South Wales when you're running that 1,000 metres of water, and we're starting to see some great bluefin show up in New South Wales at the moment, Pat. And as you're trawling along that shelf, you mark up fish or you hook up on the lures. These fish are migrating, so they're travelling, and they still need to eat while they're doing this. But what, at, what often happens is you call all your mates in, and we've spoken about it on the show numerous times, and you throw heaps of cubes in to bring these fish, and they actually stay with the boat feeding. Now, what's happening here in Apollo Bay, we have had no drama whatsoever Landing fish after fish without wasting fifty kilos of pilchards. Yep. So the being that the, the red bait's on the top of the water. So my theory is get that pilchard into that bait or red whatever the bait is and let it sink through. You don't need to waste. We haven't. Well, we, I've done two or three days p- uh, throwing pillies and we've got fish literally pretty much every time we pull up pull up onto that bait ball. So you don't need to waste it. But the process comes back to that tuna champions process that we spoke about is literally having the right gear to handle these fish. Now people will say it's great to catch fish on light gear. If you the problem with tuna is they're such a powerful fish, they heat up their core temperature so quick. So the longer you fight these fish it's actually bad to release them if you're going to release them. It's
1: the lactic acid that builds up. Yeah, in lactic
0: acid literally builds up through it and you want to get rid of that stuff. We'll go into that in a second. But then so it's the process of having the right gear to handle these fish. So 50 wires, for instance, 24 kilo and we're running 20,000 stallars on some serious, he- seriously heavy rods as well. Yep. Now, that's where the first process starts. Not going out there with a knife to a gunfight. It's having the right gear to get the fish in hopefully as quick as you can.
1: Well, I think that's the... Most enjoyable way um, to to tackle a, a giant barrel versus being winched in by a Tiagra fifty oh. wide.
0: I don't know. I am gonna argue that with you. I want to see you bent over on a stella there. You'll get <laughs> it's gonna hurt you. <laughs> it's, a no, great it's, 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 it's a great fun. Oh, it is. No, in all in hindsight, honestly, oh how much fun's that? We got it on spin gear. Until you three hours hurt. later. <laughs> <laughs> so so it, no, you are right. It is the and we got some fifty kilo fish, which were great fun to catch, but if we had to got a hundred we didn't get a hundred, but if we had to got a hundred kilo we wouldn't be saying, i would be yelling at you right now. <laughs> but no, you are spot on. But those 50s are hard to use. They're hard to flick your pilchards in. So that process starts there. I'm Sorry, I dragged on a little bit. We'll get into the process. We land the fish. Now, those smaller fish, if you have a net, which is a quality net. So you want to have a net that doesn't have, uh, like, it, it's not rough. It's a soft, fish-friendly net. Yes. So say, for instance, we're going to release the fish. You net it. It goes onto a yoga mat as such and then you pop the hook out and you can throw it back. That's how to release them. The big girls that, that come in that you can't physically, um, if you're having fun and you already, you've already got one and you want to release it, just you, honestly, just cut it off at the hook and leave the hook in the fish. That's the best thing to do. Try not to put eventually. a gaff in its mouth and things like that, which you can if you want a photo because it doesn't affect the way they eat, but it's not a great thing. to You wouldn't like a hole in your lip, would you? It's going to hurt, but you'll still eat. So back to the next step, as in ca- killing the fish, catching yep. and killing. Now, those small fish, say twenty up to 30 kilo, for instance, Pat, you're probably going to want to... You get anything bigger than 30, you don't want to net it. It's just too hard. They, you don't realize that, yes, they fit in the net, but they're so bloody heavy. Yep. They're heavy and they smash. So a gaff... They thrash is, and they smash. They literally <laughs> smash. So we're, we're talking about kill shots here, Pat. So this is where the gaff comes into it. You want to gaff these fish, once again... Pull it onto that yoga mat. That yoga mat so that step that comes in, and the reason for that is when you do the next steps where the fish bangs, you don't want it hitting on the aluminium floor or whatever floor you've got in the boat. So that step there comes into putting on the yoga mat. And then all of a sudden the spike goes in, the ikigem spike. I'm pretty sure it's called. Excuse my pronunciation if I'm wrong. And you can actually buy these tune. You know what? I'll put it. I'll even talk about the kit a bit later on in Red's tip. We'll go through the actual everything in it and what it's used for a bit later. So that first one's the spike, and then when you actually spike the fish it actually makes the fish go brain dead so it actually kills the fish but the heart is an involuntary muscle so it actually still beats without the brain and and, and that's pretty and it's the same thing with when i had my heart transplant uh, that's the same thing with organ yep. donation the heart the organs are still working, working. and the heart yeah. still pumps hence why i could receive my heart and it's the same with the tuna so the next step is bleeding the fish straight away don't take the gills and guts out of it too quick because you want that heart to pump that blood through that body that's what you want to do so you nick it with it comes in the in comes in the kit then it comes down to a, a, a running a wire there's a little soft spot on the tuna's head you can run your wire through and that runs literally from the head of the fish to the tail and it runs along the spine and it kills all the the nerves and whatnot, stops the fish from moving and relaxes all the muscles, which makes the fish taste better once again. And then the uh, last step, you've obviously got the coring, the gilling and whatnot. So you take a few incisions around the gills and you can take the whole stomach content out of this fish and then you can pack it with ice and cool it down. Now, I like to actually, and I've said this before on the show, people gut their fish instantly. I don't think that's a great thing because, like I said before, the heart's what actually pushes pushes the blood out. So it, somehow I like to run water through that fish to try and get the blood out as quick as possible. And we we're on Chris of he has gone fishing big, big boat. He had a big kill tank, which is like a live bait tank. So we could put him in there to get the blood out of it. Yep. And then we'd straight away. As soon as that blood's done, it's instantly straight into the ice as quick as you possibly can. And that there is pretty much the rough steps on being a tuna champion. And the reason it is because a few years ago, Pat, as you know, pretty much tuna were going to be done for if this was if stuff like this wasn't put into play, yep. as in you and I are talking about it now. Take what you need, look after it, and everything. But one thing it is hard to do is go out there and have barrels jumping everywhere and do this bloody process because it takes time. I will be to honest. To film it, you're talking even about even yeah. just to do the process, like you got to get on the ground and bleed it, and like it. It does take a fair bit of time. So. That there's the steps. It is hard to do, and then having a catch bag, it is crucial to have a bag that fits the uh, fits the fish size. And mad fish gear do uh, You're not going to have a. You're not going to put a cool box on the boat. Let's be honest that because they're just too big. Have your food and drinks into well, it. You could, but it'd be three meters long. Be, that's right. It's too big, <laughs> and that you could do it. And if you're most people are in trailer boats, it's just too, bit, it's not practical. It's not practical though. for what you're doing. Yeah by all means have your beer and your jamison cold on the side there but your fish these mad fish bags are, are what I recommend 100% and it, and and it literally hold they don't hold ice anywhere near what a Dometic does let's be honest not even close yep. but they buy far, they do the job they do the job for you two days that you're going and and you want to relate a barrel and big fish you want to actually leave it in the ice for up to up to about twenty four twenty four 24 hours to actually let Everything in that fish relax, and all the muscles in that ice cool actually do its thing inside.
1: So, and that's how you get the quality out of that fish. You're listening to Real Adventures. This is a bit of a school holiday special because right around the country, school holidays are upon us. Redmond for for those families looking to get out and and catch fish. Let's start with the big girls first. Would you be more inclined to say Fish Apollo Bay, which is I suppose the closest place where, um, where anglers are getting regular catches of barrels versus Gippsland, where we're seeing some some incredible fish being caught, particularly um swordfish, and we'll, we'll cover that a little later. Or would you just bite the bullet, travel the four and a half hours, get to Portland where you know those school fish are in far closer and they're a lot easier to target versus the big kilometers that you're doing launching off Apollo Bay and a lot of the other southern regions that are that are a lot closer than um than Portland to Melbourne.
0: A lot of people want these big fish and don't get me wrong, there's a lot of school what is actually strange is so many schoolfish actually amongst these barrels at Apollo Bay. But the problem, I'm, I'm going to say it right now, it, it's a friggin' heck of a long way out. It's 88. It is a long way out. You, like, you can go to I'm King, King Island, so, it's closer, isn't it? It, it? It's literally pretty much exactly the same. Like it, that's no. how far out you, you are going. It's a two and a half hour steam, especially... At 10, a good clip. 10, well, 10 knots wind is still out there. It feels like it's 40 because it's up and down. It's a long way out. Make sure you have the fuel range and whatnot. But lakes entrance, long way out for these swordfish hundred guys at times if not more. Yeah, yeah. These school tuna. Yeah.
1: it is. it yeah. is safer at the moment though because there are so many people that are fishing. Yeah, it, it is. So yep. there are there are boats there and the oil rigs there they have got the
0: tenders there uh, if something were to go wrong, which I hope it doesn't for anyone, but if it does to be honest with you, this school holidays, if you want to have a bit of fun with the kids, I would honestly be going straight to uh, Port Phillip Bay with a squid are going red hot. Western Port, Gwaine Blake, we're actually going to get him on the show today, Pat. He has had a tremendous week also on the uh, on the big squid out of uh, Western Port. He went down and caught some beautiful mulloway. I'm going to let him tell that story. But if you want to, you can do this land base, the Glenelg down at Nelson there and catch beautiful land-based mulloway. You've also got the piers around Queenstown. I know St. Leonard's Pier on my side has been fishing very well land-based with the calamari. Yes, you've got to go a little bit on dark, but just pop a jacket on. Like it's, it's, you can always warm up. Take layers. You can always take layers off. But, and you've also got the garfish moving in so many places. Frankston Piers, the garfish with the kids. Like the, As long as you're catching with kids... You're going to have fun, so you need to make sure
1: that you, you you head somewhere where you're going to catch stuff, and there are a few good places. As we move further up that eastern seaboard, Eden obviously fishing incredibly well. but sort of you can just cut, long, yeah, you can cut and paste that every, um, you, <laughs> every <you> know, week, <laughs> every week basically. But for those that can, and, and obviously it, it's been a challenging time for where COVID sit in the hotspots at different various sort of Sydney regions. But your best bet is still sort of heading. Heading south of Sydney with how well it is fishing, even it's just a, it is once again to the similar story we're having here. They're, they're a long way
0: out too, those bluefin yeah. out of Eden and and uh, Jarvis Bay, uh, JB as we know call it. Uh, but like, there's so many options. I know it's winter, but there's so many options. Like, don't feel like it's winter you can't go fishing. Pick your times, and I know it contradicts what I said before about being cold, but if you want to have just fun in the sun, pick your times and your weather. And And go out just after the sun comes up by nine ten o'clock it's it's like you're back to just a jumper, so obviously bear in mind that it might on, a, on its day it might be a bit worse, but with kids or kids, like you said earlier, it's all about catching fish, pat, yeah. having fun and doing it where they're to enjoying the it. Yeah, yeah rather than and school holidays is coming up like you said there, and it's
1: going to be a really, really good uh, hopefully couple of weeks. This is real adventures there'll be, there'll be plenty more after the break.
2: You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood.
1: Welcome back to Real Adventures. Before we get to the social club, the 2022 Toyota Land Cruiser 300 series, it's all but been revealed, Redmond. Now, on this show, we're clearly more than just fishing. We love our outdoors. But towing the boat is a critical component um, as is towing the caravan. And in Australia, typically... There's nothing much, generally, until you move into your sort of F-150s your big and your Dodges that tow above three and a half tonnes. And I just want to know, from your opinion, do you think it is a missed opportunity that the new 300 Series Land Cruiser, um, its towing capacity will remain at three and a half tonnes? Even though it's downsized to the V6 engine, so there's not the V8 now, it still tows three and a half tonnes, but is that a missed opportunity? where we are continuing to look for cars that will tow our maxi-trailerable boats. There's, I know I've got a few mates who... Well, a lot of mates, to be honest
0: with you, that own these cars and make a lot more money than myself. But they, um, they actually have modifications to their car to actually allow them to tow up to four-ton. And surely, if there's modifications, they can... Put in play to get their rating up to four ton. Surely Toyota have done, should have done
1: that. Well, what, in my opinion. Well, what isn't known at the moment is whether the new chassis chassis uh, are compatible with the aftermarket upgrade kits. Ah, right. Um, that can increase the towing capacity to four and a half ton. Sorry, I just took that out of your words. I didn't actually read the notes then. <laughs> so, so at the moment it, it, it sits at three and a half, but we're after more now. You know, that should, why, I, why isn't that built into that? Well, I think we want to roll off. Absolutely. I think we want to roll off the showroom floor with the ability to tow four and a half tons, especially for 180 grand or whatever they're worth. And, and not be rolling it. Yeah. Not have to go to a Dodge or to a Ford 150 or. Um, the new Ford Lightning, if, if it comes to the Australian shores, we've seen Rivian, which is one of the new EV manufacturers. Um, they're testing in New Zealand at the moment, so they're not far off production. Whether we're going to see them in Australia is yet to be seen. And unfortunately, we miss out on so many so many of these incredible vehicles. But just that ability to tow four and a half tonnes, which then, you know...
0: What they, they would have had the market covered. Well, like as in with like, to get another car
1: to do that, Well, they've got do- the new car come out. Dodge has been has had such an incredible um, run. Uh, sorry, Ram um, has su- had such an incredible run in Australia because we just don't have too many offerings of, you know, four and a half or mm, you know, four ton offerings without it having to upgrade after market. So an interesting move. It'll be interesting to see as more detail filters that because are- it is. One of the iconic Australian they're,
0: and they're they're a beautiful car. I was phenomenal. In, I was in Paul's car up in uh, Apollo Bay during the week, and we got in to go head up to the pub for dinner. And it, they are literally spacious. They're, they're a phenomenal car. So I'm I'm shocked that they haven't had that built in. And when you've just said there. <laughs> about not having, not being compatible to the
1: upgrade kits that we that people use that's a little bit annoying. Well, we hope that they hope will they so do. But if they're not, yeah. remains to be seen. Let's get to the social club where we take your questions from social media. If you've got a question for Aaron or I, make sure you shoot it into our Real Adventures socials pages on Instagram and Facebook, or better yet, download our Real Adventures app, which is free to download. Um, there's great stuff on there, whether it's rigs, whether it's uh, recipes, you name it. Uh, it's all on our app as well as uh, the podcasts that, that get in it every week as well. Uh, let's get to the first question, which is from Tom. When taking baits out for cubing barrels, is it worth taking a range of different species for baits, Aaron? What did you use over the weekend? So it is actually important to
0: take the range, but it's more important to match what it's on, as much as possible. So what I mean by that is, there's no point pulling up on a thing of red bait and throwing in sauries that are double the size or three times the size. Pillies will work most of the time because that's going to be the most common thing to get. But they're pillies are one of those things that everything eats. Like they just do. Yep. Where a big saury, you don't know if the barrel might be funny on that. Where so pilchards will be my number one. Having everything will be important, but sauries don't school up as such pat they're more of like when the barrels are on salaries you actually see them skipping out of the top of the water and whatnot yeah so they're chasing and that's where your lures come in and, and those fish i got a few weeks ago we had salaries jumping out of the water and they were quite hard to keep up with the barrels they were so widespread that it actually it was hard to chase them down yeah so i don't know about the saury side of it and whatnot but 100 percent, take maybe a couple of dead yakas out or, or pack a dead yak If you've caught some recently and had them for a gummy trip ready to go. But, yeah, definitely be working those. Uh, I'd definitely be working the baits with whatever you can get and scoop it up with a net if you really want to. Uh, the next question is from Gav you, Patrick. I've seen your Instagram.
1: You're in Noosa, Patrick. Are you going to sneak out into one of the estuaries for a bit of a fish? Uh, it's been tough. We actually took out one of the pontoon boats up through that Noosa Uh, estuary system yesterday the weather hasn't been super kind to us um so we haven't really had the opportunity it's actually a great place to fish noosa i've been here um you know quite a few times and generally it's been with the family because it's sort of one of those family destinations redmond um but if you've got the time to fish it there's some wonderful spots to go fishing but on this occasion we haven't haven't quite uh had the ability to do that with obviously footy thursday night and then um, because we've got a little bit of a, a slightly longer turnaround into Essendon, um, we've got a bit of time. So um, not this time, uh, Gav. Uh, the next one is from Darren Stockdale. And I forgot to mention off the top of the Social Club Redmond. every week we're giving away a real brand hat, a real brand fishing top for our Social Club for the best question. And Darren You are the winner this week. Hello, Pat and Aaron. My name is Darren. I'm starting to get into soft plastics and hard-body lure fishing for trout and brim. Um, What is your recommendation for the most important lure? Uh, And what would you recommend? Thanks, boys. Yeah, so
0: basically there's so many different... uh, methods out there but you need to use them correctly is probably the more important thing pat and you'll probably found this using different methods in the odd ways for your trout and whatnot you got your salters that you cast in there and you've actually got to move them quite quick but if you get a little bib lure you can actually just little flicks to get the bib down and let it pause and let them float barrel oh sorry school tuner out the front of bar and heads where we got a lot of them uh over the past say two years for instance when the when the season's right and the water's right sometimes the the i will cast the plastic out and i'll let it sink let it sink and then it's a little flick up and then yeah. you'll get them like that then other days you cast it and they actually want you to move it But then also you've got uh so many different methods for brim too i know i think dan mackerel who's a regular in the show he's a tournament and brim fisherman his method is for brim if you think you're going slow go slower so well, it's, that it's method, just isn't that, it? it's literally yep. and he's using big so you need to work out what you're chasing a lot of lures that you buy these days have so many recommendations on the back
1: of the actual packet that will tell you a lot of the information about it. I and think, l- And a lot of them, I forget the name of... It's not a code, but you know when you put your camera up to it and then it shows you a video of it? I'm not sure... Oh, really? You know how you do a, Q- oh, it's a QR code.
0: Yeah, we're, we're pretty familiar with we, those.
1: We do, <laughs> we do that every did, day of our life we now. Do that. <laughs> Sorry, they have a QR code. And a lot of it links sometimes to sort of YouTube... Uh, tutorials and those sorts of things on on how to retrieve your 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 lures, so it's it's worth spending a bit of time in. And that being said, most you know reputable tackle uh, distributors, um, they've got guys that genuinely fish um, when they sort of operate out of their sort of fishing departments. Melbourne Marine's a, a great example. Jamie that works in their fishing department, he fishes every.
0: And Lee Rainer's is yeah. there now. He's another fantastic yeah, fisher. You know
1: they fish every every weekend and in the afternoons when they can, when uh, when Andrew allows them to. <laughs> so you know they're spending plenty of time in the water. So ask the experts that are in there, and you can you can gauge pretty quickly with your with your bullshit meter on. You know whether they're giving you good advice or or, or not. Um, to wrap up, Harry, uh, I'm fishing over the school holidays with the kids. What's the best coloured squig? jig to use missed sure. the key word land based he said land based fishing land based around
0: Melbourne what, now what you've got to do is you can't just say what is the best jig you need to actually suss out where you're fishing if you're driving home from work one night pull into the pier and have a bit of a look like what what's going on on the bottom is the tidal movement there What whatever it is now just an example uh, we'll go Queenscliff we'll call it the Queenscliff Squid Pier as it's known lots and lots of people chase squid there Problem is tide pulls through there. Yep. So you can't just go there and expect to rock up with a two and a half jig and expect it to work.
1: You and, need to and, have a range. And how do you find out the the weight size? Say if yep. you've, you've had it in your tackle box for a while yep. and you and you can't quite remember because it was on the packaging but you can't see it now. The slower it sinks, the more squid you're going to catch but as long
0: as it's not floating. Yep. So drop it in the water and let it sink. Let it sink down to have a good look at it. Now, a place like, for instance, Queenscliff Harbour, fantastic place to walk around there, catching squid amongst some beautiful boats, getting ink on them. And they, uh, they, 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 you want to use that two to 2.5, zero tide, only a couple of meters deep. If you rocked up with a three and a half, it's not going to work. If you're fishing out wide, say for instance, off Mornington Pier for squid. It's quite deep at certain parts of that uh, that jetty. You've yep. also got the porty Portsy Pier, which is one of the iconic squid big squid fishery in uh, in Victoria, land-based, you're going to struggle just rocking up with one jig. What I would do is I wouldn't be worried about your colours too much. Buy three jigs, one in 2.5, one in three, one in 3.5. And also another method, if you are a little bit stuck, is running a floater on Pat, to get them out into that tide a bit more. If you run a float and actually have the squid jig sitting under it, the only drama with that is... I find it's better to use a baited jig for that method, but the only drama with that is you're actually not working the squid jig like you should be. It's a bit of a lazy fishing way, but it does work. So that's so many different options that you can
1: use to catch yourself some squid. Nice work, Redmond. That wraps up the Social Club. If you've got a question for Aaron or I, make sure you send it into our Real Adventures socials or better yet, download our Real Adventures app. Congratulations, Darren. Send us a direct message, mate. You get yourself a Real Brand hat and a Real Brand fishing top. Just throw me pen across the desk. Plenty more real adventures to come after the break. Gearing up for Dometic. Always stay relaxed and hydrated wherever your adventure takes you with Dometic's rugged drinkware. Welcome back to Real Adventures. It's now time for gearing up for Dometic. Enjoy the great outdoors with all the comforts of home with Dometic. Our guest, special guest rather, this morning is Wayne Blake, Australian pro angler for Frogley's Offshore, Mako Sunnies, Staby Craft, Garmin, you name it but we know him as our salt guide to uh, IC. My partner in crime. <laughs> to yourself. Good morning, Guano.
0: Morning, guys. How are you? Oh, we're not too bad. And you've been doing a little bit of what I've been doing, gallivanting around the country, which is always oh, stateside, I should say. You've been doing a fair bit of travelling and catching some bloody good fish, Gwen. Take us through these mulloway.
2: Okay. So um, I was literally sitting at home waiting for, um, you know, Metro Melbourne to get unlocked and as soon as it, we were unlocked I just shot straight down to Nelson and um, yeah fished the Glenelg River so basically the river system is nearly 390 kilometres long um, most of it it's only you're only allowed to do 8 knots in apart from a few ski areas where you can go wide open throttled and just basically going up the system I'm using my side view the Garmin and basically looking for temperature breaks on the sounder or bait. And once I find bait, I can pick that up quite easily, you know, eight knots.
1: So, and what's, what's the theory behind the temperature break, Wayne?
2: Why, you know, so why are you be looking areas, for that? There's going to be areas where there's going to be a lot of fresh water pushing down, and that fresh water is going to be quite cold, you know, because it's come off the land, it's fallen out of the sky, that sort of stuff that colder temperature is going to push the bait down and you'll find the bait will sit on the temperature break. It might only be like 0.5 of a degree, but that's enough to you know take notice of and slow up and then start sounding. And then once I find the bait, I'll then start looking for the fish that would eat the bait and then you know, mull away from there. So I might not be sounding too many mull away. I might be sounding nesty perch. Um and brim, but then with my live scope, I can go over the top of them again with live scope, and you can actually distinguish the, the shape of the fish in amongst those schools. So you can see the more humped back of a brim versus the longer, elongated shape of a mulalley. And by doing that, once I find that, then I know that you know, they're in a feeding area. There's a lot of fish together, and the, the mulalley will either be picking off an injured or a small brim, or just eating the, the same bait they're, they're eating together
1: and I'm fishing them So you've posted some yeah. incredible shots of of the Mulloway that you've caught, can we take a step back and, and talk to us about the Glenelg River how far it is uh, from Metro Melbourne, obviously we're in school holidays now for, for most Victorians um, it's a beautiful part of the country albeit uh, cold this time of the year, it's still pretty damn special.
2: It is very special. Um, it's only a very small town. I think they only have about 190 people. Um, pretty friendly. They've got the pub, the bar and bistro. They've got the nice little tackle shop there. Um, both the tackle shop and the local servo do nice bacon and egg toasties,
1: so that's worth going for. Aaron, important. Um, I was more
0: worried about where the pub got... was.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well... I'm Look, talking about the kids as well here, Ed. Um, so, yeah, you've got the river mouth itself, which is slightly open. It's, it's not, you know, somebody can go in and out of with a boat. But it's, it's got enough movement that you get rim and...
1: Places, Redmond. If you've got the time to spend, um, doing a little bit of research and then sort of travelling down there, it it is a bit out of the way, but it's you spent time there. It's a it's an incredible part of the country. The
0: river's beautiful, like it's spectacular to look at as well. Like it's really, really, yeah. really nice drive.
2: You know, top of the boat and everything's working again so it's an area you can go down and, and it's not far from portland it's another you know hour out of your way from portland but when you've made that effort
1: you've obviously fished out of your 1850 fisher your staby craft um yeah that's a you know it's it's got the balance where you can obviously fish offshore but you can fish fish inland and you fish your your river systems what size boat would you recommend to fish through the glenelg river because when most people think of river they think of something smaller but the the glenelg is slightly different that you can take some pretty big boats in there
2: If you've got a four-metre tinny or three three three-and-a-half-metre tinny up to a nine-metre boat, it's, it's fine for that. Um, obviously, the bigger boats probably more expensive. You don't want to knock them around too much. Dude. You've just got to be aware of coming up towards edges of corners. There might be rock bars and stuff like that, but you, you stick to the middle of the river. And, um, there's
0: plenty of water in it. We're fast approaching school holidays, Gwaine. Uh Yeah, no, we're in it, mate. We're in them. Oh, we're in them. We're in them. Kids, one. I don't know that stuff. <laughs> Sorry. Urban school holidays, going, and uh, we um, we've spoke a bit at the top of the show about your squid and your whiting, and your, your species of fish, and keep your kids active. And you've been having a really, really, really successful time landing some beautiful calamari through Western Port. Take us through uh, what's going with what your methods are going to to getting those squid. Okay, so yeah,
2: school holidays here. This is something we've had actually spoke about with sulkite we wanted to actively target as many different species as we could coming out of lockdown and coming into school holidays to just give everyone an option so um, the squid at the moment, they start to come into the port and they're these large breeding squids so if you actively target the main areas of the port, you will get two or three, but what we've done with sulkite, instead of salt guide of that um, been really successful we had a lot of sign ups
1: for this time of year too its fantastic for us Gwaine, beautiful work as always Gwane Blake one of our salt guide anglers and a regular on real adventures thanks for joining us this morning Gwane. we'll throw in there he's a, he's a guide, guide too give him a call if you want a guide he, he gets on your boat and he'll take you
0: through and uh, he'll take you through everything you need to know. So head to his uh, Instagram and Facebook, give Gwane a message on Gwaine Blake Professional, and uh, he'll get back to you with a few
1: dates he's got available. Thanks, G-Man. Thanks, guys. That was gearing up for Dometic Mobile Living Made Easy, and now it's time for Red's Review for Club Marine. Redmond, what are we talking about this week? What are we reviewing? We're going to review
0: what we spoke about at the start of the show. I said it was going to be the tip, but I thought it was actually important and worthy of a review. Now You've changed mid-show. That's fine. Okay, I've seen your coach do some funny things too on the football field. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so if you want to look after these, Tuna, you need to do it properly. Now, there's no point going out there without the right tools and making life hard. Ha- having all the tools in your hand ready to go, it makes life so much more convenient. So what we're reviewing this week is your Tuna Toolkit. It's everything you need to do the right things. Now, if you're just joining to the show and uh, wondering what we're talking about, at the start of this show, we covered basically how to look after bluefin by spiking them and everything basically this kit has. Now, if you do want to listen to any of our shows, make sure you download our Real Adventures uh, app. I had podcast on there. You can listen to all that, recipes and a few other bits and pieces, Pat. But this product here is, if you chase bluefin, which nearly every single person these days do, Pat, from the Portfolk Bay Heads, New South Wales Coast, into WA, South Australia, you name it. The bluefin are literally coming back in such good numbers. Look, let's look after our fishery. Buy one of these kits, as they're called. It comes with your spike. It comes with your wire. comes with your knifey, which cuts the side of the fish. Knife there for those that are playing at home. And basically, it all comes together. And it's around $160. And now, the reason I say, you could probably make half the stuff yourself for a quarter of the price. But... This stuff, I, I used it during the week properly for the first time. This stuff works. Yep. It, it just works. The co- Running the, the actual wire down the spine of the fish, it's perfect size. So it, it, it all works. 160 bucks. You can get them on Walesy's Tackle, any probably any good tackle store. I know Paul Worsing sells them at his Tackle World in Mornington and Cranbourne. So make sure you do get one of these and keep them in the cabin of your boat for when you do come across that blue fin, whether it's a 5-kilo one or a 155-kilo one. That's Red's review.
2: You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood.
1: Welcome back to Real Adventures. It's well, we're in the last quarter. Red, I want we're you to get deep a new. Into time I want on. you to get a new line for me next week instead of Welcome back to Real Adventures. What, what have you got? You got anything else for me? Well, I'm welcoming everyone back to Real Adventures. Fair point. They've been <laughs> a, they've been in an ad now they're back. We've got Just a, bit, a bit few minutes a bit left repetitive. to go of the show. A bit repetitive, and we need something good from you. Uh, now, we're approaching uh, school holidays. Your tip for the week, centres around those, getting ready to travel. And we've all been there before. You get to your, uh, wherever it might be. You you more often or, than, than others. <laughs> that, that, that's fair. You don't want to rock up at Port Ferry and then all of a sudden none of your electronics work. You are spot
0: on. And, we have, and I'll be honest with you, a lot of people pack their boats away before that little COVID circuit breaker, we'll call it and for the winter, as they do, but then they get that rage to get back out on the water. They want to get out now. We've all come out of lockdown. It's fantastic that we're all allowed to be back on the water. Make sure you do the right things. Engine's been serviced. Make sure you've got your fuel to get to wherever you're going, and I say that because the swords fish are going mental at Lake's entrance. The Apollo Bay tuna are going fantastic, and people are launching it. we be coming down to catch white at St. Leonard's. Make sure everything's ready to go, but number one, your batteries. Your batteries are a killer. You can get little jump packs, that are fantastic to sit in your boat that will, will give you that jump you need to get yourself out of trouble. But just put a trickle charge on them before you go or even take it to the destination you're going and run it overnight to get that battery up and going. So Red's tip this week is just, if you are heading away for the weekend or for the school holidays, take everything you need to get yourself out of trouble and also charge those batteries because like you said, Pat, there's nothing worse than rocking up to, rocking up to uh, the boat ramp and only my key does this
1: for a long time until you know it's dead. Well, there might be something that is worth and worse, rather. and the uh, flying gaff this week goes up north, up to the NT, and ABC Darwin posted this during the week. But uh, a fella by the name of Steve, who slept in his boat at uh, Arnhem Bay on the weekend... Uh, he's just reminded everyone why you can never be too complacent around crocodiles, uh, particularly up north. His six meter boat um, with a 200 horsepower Yammy on the back was munched on by a giant croc. And we saw the photos <laughs> during the week and we're having a bit of a chuckle about it. But that croc has gotten. It's gotten out of the water a, a pretty it's decent distance.
0: Where is it on the engine? It's up quite high, isn't it? It's
1: above the um, it's above the riding of the two hundred. It's two hundred <laughs> horsepower. So that crossed... It's three quarters up. of the way up the actual head of the engine. <laughs> it has done some serious damage. So Steve, this week, um, he said he wasn't keep. He said he didn't put any sort of leave any bait on the bait board. The giant crocodile marks. He out was the bait. <laughs> <laughs> might be, uh, might be, uh, sort of lending a different story. Anyway, thanks for your company this morning on Real Adventures. We hope you enjoy the show. We'll see you on the water soon, Redmond. on fishing. <laughs>